We're continuing our study through the book of Psalms, not, not the whole book, but you know, we're taking six Psalms that Rob Howard had, had, had put in his morning, noon, and night booklet, and today we'll be in Psalm 20, but last week we we're in Psalm 39, and let me just say a word about that, and it would be Monty Spurgeon was awesome. Um, what, what, you know, I, I had people say to me, some of you say to me, and, and you know, taking it the right way, it's like, man, that was not just the student ministry guy filling in, and it wasn't. He's a gifted teacher and a wonderful job with that beautiful psalm. Speaking of, of, of messages, and I want to give you a little heads up on where we're going. Uh, we've got, uh, two, got this psalm, and then we've got one more. And then we're going to begin a four-week series, and it's something we did last year. Well, here's what I mean by that. Last year, we, we, we wanted to do some equipping around particular areas of, of life. And here at Brentwood, if you'll remember this, Larry Kayser, who's over all of our marriage ministries, um, he and Ann came alongside of him. They taught gospel marriage. And um, while he was teaching that at Brentwood, those same four weeks, Mike Vogt, one of our elders, was teaching a series on apologetics. Mike has his degree from Biola what a gifted teacher. Um, and what we're doing is we're flip-flopping. So just so you know, in, in a week from, two weeks from now, Mike will do the apologetics equipping series for us here at, at Brentwood. And Larry and Ann will do the marriage seminar down at Franklin. You don't want to miss it. Because uh, you know, if you're here, you, know, you didn't get to hear what Mike did, but I did because I was down at Franklin several times during the summer. And um, apologetics, how do we defend the faith? How do we know that what we're studying today is really God's word and trustworthy? It is so fundamental to our faith. I'm excited about that. Uh, I want also, uh, I want to pray, and I'm going to invite us as a church family to pray. Amy Alexander, some of you know, she, she had an accident and um, some complications from that. And I just want to pray for the, for the Alexander family on this day. Would you join me in that? Father, we want to pause and pray for Troy for Brittany, Heidi, TJ, and Tucker, for Amy, uh, on this day when they're walking in some very deep waters and difficulties for her and for them, your mercy and your grace, please be upon them. We as members of their family here at this church family, we mourn and we hurt we entrust them to you. In Christ's name, amen. And then one final thing before we turn to Psalm 20. I want to say a word about the, uh, the ruling on Friday. As Roe uh, Ro v. Wade um, was overturned, it's the reversal of you know, the 1973 decision that made uh, abortion legal in the United States. Um, Y'all, I am not on any social media. Now, unless you call it text, texting, social media, but I'm not on any social media. But I am near people who are. And so I, I have gotten an earful of how, let me talk broad at the broadest level. We as a nation, okay, or... Are, are responding to this, but here's what's more important. Here's what matters most. How we as Christians, as Christ followers, are responding to this 
and responding to each other as Christ's followers who, who see things differently. And here's what I would like to say. I am so glad I am not on social media. That's, no, no, there's more. You know, my first call on Friday was to uh, Rubel Shelley, dear friend. Many of you know Rubel. He's taught here many times. Rubel's been shepherding, you know, God's people and, and various churches for over 50 years. He's, he's been through the highs and lows, the ups and downs. He's been through so many momentous events in history of the nation, the world, quite frankly. And I, I just wanted Rubel's thoughts. I, I just said, you know, how do you lead people in, in, in these days and some of the, the bickering and the, such the bitterness that, that, that resides within us? And uh, I wanted his counsel. And uh, not surprisingly, what I got back was his prayer for this moment. Surely, without a doubt, you all, there is much to be done and there are things to, certainly to be said, but would we not all agree that our first, most fundamental and ongoing response to anything in, in these moments we're in is not to post something, but to pray and to always pray. And so Rubel inspired me, and there's some things I, I, I took from his prayer, but I also wrote a prayer, and I want us to pray it. It's a prayer, it's, it's my prayer, but may I say, as one who walks alongside of you, I, I invite you to make it our prayer. To that end, I'm going to my knees, and I know it's hard for people to do that in here, but would you bow your heads, and may we go before the throne of grace. O oh, gracious heavenly Father, you who spoke all things into being, visible and invisible, animate and inanimate, you who are sovereign over all things, you who rule and reign over every king and kingdom for your good pleasure and purpose, we come this morning to humbly beseech your favor, your will, and your way. as those who believe you are the author and sustainer of life, that our days are numbered while in our mother's wombs, we say thank you for life, thank you for every life, for every human being you create. May our deep conviction that every person is made in the image of God from the moment of conception be matched by as deep a conviction that it is our love for every person that proclaims most loudly and clearly, you are God. And may we cherish and protect and advocate for the unborn and do so in ways that do not alienate, demean, or demonize those who believe differently. Forgive us, Lord, for ways we have done all three. Father, when Roe v. Wade became law of the land, I was 13 years old. I did not have a voice. What I've heard and read is that in those days, quote, the church was asleep and silent. 
I'm 62 now, I have a voice and I help lead a church. And my prayer is that we would not sleep through the opportunity given in this moment. And we pray that you would awaken us and that our voice would be heard not so much in the words we say as in the things we do, things that are full of grace and truth. Would you birth in our congregation men and women who go beyond words to actions to found ministries, nonprofits that care for every woman who finds themselves struggling with an unplanned or unwanted pregnancy? Would you break our hearts wide open that each one of us would live to ensure that no woman, no child would find themselves without the tangible help they need to navigate their circumstances such that they could find hope, healing, peace, and life, life in you. And for those who are grieving and angry at this ruling, may the voice they hear from we who follow Jesus be Jesus-like, Jesus-saturated, Jesus-compassionate, Jesus-understanding, Jesus-humble. No one other than religious leaders who disagreed with what Jesus taught, ever felt Jesus did not love them, welcome them. And oh God, may that be true of us. Father, give us wisdom in how we talk with fellow Christ followers who differ in what we believe. Holy Spirit, be our teacher. May we be a church where women and families would not flinch at the thought of the church being there to help them, but rather in our own humility and in the vastness of your love, they would feel our open arms, our welcoming hearts, and our sacrificial service. Form Christ in us, O oh God. That in our community, we, may, we might be a place of belonging, acceptance, nurture, and care. A place of grace and truth, accountability, and growth. A place where the Spirit is on the move and the gospel is proclaimed, trusted, and lived. This we ask, O oh God, for your glory and for yours alone. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. And amen. Well, with that, may I invite you to turn to Psalm 20. Psalm 20. The word of the day, y'all, is trouble. <laughs> Indeed it is. Uh, this psalm begins with David in a day of trouble. He was facing a trouble that could cost him his life. He was facing a trouble that, that 
could cost the whole nation their freedom. So that we're not talking about a little trouble in his world. We're talking about a massive trouble. The Hebrew word trouble is, is, uh, is like our own, you know, it's, it, what, it, what it carries the sense of is an event causing distress or pain. That's, that's trouble. And uh, what the Psalm's gonna teach us is where David went when he faced trouble. What did he do? And therefore the Psalm, this Psalm is gonna ask of you and I, what do you do in your day and in your moment of trouble? Now the context of the Psalm is a military battle, okay? So we, we gotta handle our, our word well and correctly here. And you're not fought, fighting military battles, but let me assure you, you, you have an enemy, okay, that is out to destroy you. Paul talks about it like this in Ephesians 6.12, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. See, y'all, there's not a day that you don't wake up and you're already in a battle, in a spiritual battle that is incessant and out to destroy you and your faith. But it's more than... You know, it's spiritual, and because it's, that can be spiritual, we, we dismiss it or we, we're not aware of it. We don't pay attention to it. But it's always more than spiritual. Think about it this way. I'll put it in these, at least these two categories. There's trouble within. There's trouble in the heart, that, that place, of, you know, the center of our life, our thoughts, emotions, desires, and choices within. There's, there's trouble within, emotional distress, depression, it's Ill, mental illness, discouragement, anxiety, battle for the mind, that's within. What's true, what's not? What's right, what's wrong? And then there's trouble without, within, without. And I hardly need to name these. There's financial trouble. There's, there's times when we don't have enough, we don't know where the next paycheck's coming from. There's some who find themselves in a financial place in life today that you just never dreamed you, you would be. And then there's those who lose a job or resign and it's a grueling process to find a job. There's relational trouble. Broken families, friendships, misunderstandings, unmet longings. Hurts that nag us, forgiveness that eludes us. There's physical trouble, y'all. There's, there's illness, sickness, chronic pain, infertility, accidents that lead to complications. There's this thing called death and dying. Job puts his finger on the issue. Job's complaining, quite frankly, of, of just the in, the mess of the world. And he says this in Job 5, 6 to 7. For affliction does not come from the dust, nor does trouble sprout from the ground, but man is born to trouble as the sparks fly upward. Man is born to trouble. Y'all, it's like build a fire, watch where the, watch where the little tiny ashes go. They go up. In the same way, there's no one looking at me right now in this room or online doesn't live with trouble. It's the water we swim in. It's the air that we breathe. But in your day of trouble, let me ask you, what do you do? Where do you go? 
psalmist can ask us, what do you trust? Now we need to envision how this goes down before I read it. And so, so get this in your mind's eye. Enemies all around, they're always on Israel's borders. David's preparing to go do battle for the nation. And Psalm 20 is a liturgy. It's a church service, if you will. They gather and the people are gonna speak a blessing over the king. So here's the king ready for battle and the priests and the people pronounce this blessing in the outline of the passage. It's these three parts, beginning, middle, and end. The first part is a hopeful blessing over the king. And then after that blessing hits, it's like David himself, he, he, he then does what I call the good assurance. There's a deep assurance in David that arises. And then the service ends with what I'll call the good confession. So the people bless, the king is assured, and the king and the people make a good confession. That's the service that we are gonna walk through. And may I say, we're gonna apply it. I'm gonna invite you to live it here in a few moments. Let's start with the hopeful blessing. Look at verses one through five, God's word to us today. The psalmist sings, may the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. May the name of the God of Jacob protect you. May he send you help from the sanctuary and give you support from Zion. May he remember all your offerings and regard with favor your burnt sacrifices. Selah. May he grant your heart's desire and fulfill all your plans. May we shout for joy over your salvation. And in the name of our God, set up our banners. May the Lord fulfill all your petitions. The congregation speaks this blessing over the king. I want us to note that the, the blessings themselves that they speak over, the protection, help, grant your heart's desire, fulfill your plans, joy at your salvation, all are rooted and grounded in, may I say it this way, sourced from the name of the God of Jacob, verse one. The name of God, verse five. When we speak of the name of God, y'all, we're not just talking about a name that distinguishes him from other gods. No, it's not a night, you know, a, a distinction from all others. In calling upon the name of God, they are, they're not just bringing up his name, they're, they're bringing up everything that God is, all of his promises, his attributes, his faithfulness, his character, all that he is, is in the name of God. It's an identity that reminds them, and listen, it reminds us of the very nature and the works of God. I'm not gonna go through all these, but I want you to note the names of God. And see that name speaks to his acts, his character, his attributes. El Shaddai, thank you, Amy Grant, for giving us that one deeper and deeper, right? The Almighty One, this is the name of God. Jehovah Nisi, the Lord, my banner. That speaks of he is a victorious God. When they say we're gonna set up our banners, it's like they're gonna raise their flags and go, we won, we won the battle. Jehovah Rohi, the Lord, my shepherd. What does a shepherd do? He keeps, provides, protects, and nurtures. Jehovah Jireh, right in the middle. You see, we call upon the name of, of Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides for us. 
Look at El, the bottom, toward the bottom, El Roi, the God, the Lord who sees. So in your trouble, in every trouble, what you see, God sees even deeper and he sees you. And then the bottom one, Jehovah Sebaoth, it's the Lord of hosts. And it's just saying, our God is the God over all the hosts of heaven. They are all at his disposal to do as he pleases. This is what they say when they speak the name of God. So I say that to say, when the people are blessing the king, you know, these aren't just well wishes upon the king. And it's not a prayer like this, dear God, just, you know, just bless our king. And I'm speaking to myself when I mock in this way, just, uh, just help him fight a really good fight and, and, and just help him make good battlefield decisions. Would you give David travel mercies as he goes to battle? You know, it's not that, and it's not that. They, they, they're like bringing a torrential downpour of the character, nature, and the heart of God upon him. In verse two, we note the, the geography of where these blessings come from. And you note in verse two, it speaks of the sanctuary, your support from Zion. Let's keep this principle in mind, progressive revelation. So when they're singing this song, uh, you know, God's presence dwelt where? It was in Jerusalem, it was in that tent that David put the Ark of the Covenant and so it's there that God and man meet. Again, at this time in progressive revelation. And it's there where the sacrifices are made. And so the sacrifices then bring, bring God and man together and meet in that place. And from that place of meeting, from that place of meeting, deliver our king. And here's what I want you to note in this. Is the people recognize that it's David's sacrifices and offerings that, that cover his sin, which is how people stayed in relationship with God. And thus they note that it is, that the most important thing about their king is that he be in relationship with God. And God having received those those offerings of David say it that way. We know that the king is submitted to the authority of God and in relationship with God. And therefore they can then pray, verse four, may you God grant, may God grant the king's heart's desire and fulfill all the king's plans. Now you think about that. Is, is there anyone that we would pray that for any leader in the world? And, and I, you know, I don't know that I want that king or leader or whoever to get their heart's desires, but oh my, to the king who's in relationship with God, God fulfill his desires. Why? Because his desires become God's desires and his plans are God's plans. And thus they pray, fulfill his desires. Note verse five. They, before the battle has ever begun, this is the church service, before they go out to battle, the congregation is already anticipating the victory. They're setting up, they're, they're envisioning, we're setting up our banners because God is gonna deliver you and therefore through you deliver us which leads me to this lesson, if I might offer it. Whom God fights, whom God fights is already defeated. 
This is where we're going to go in the text. God's fighting this battle. And whom God fights is already defeated. And therefore, they can say with confidence, we will raise our banners because the enemy's already defeated because no one fights God and wins. In your day of trouble, who is doing the fighting to get you through that trouble? See, if you're in a day of trouble, in a moment of trouble, whatever the crisis, the challenge, that which is causing you distress and anxiety, that word trouble. Well, if you're fighting that battle, then you're gonna have to wait to see how it turns out. But if God is fighting the battle for you, oh yes, indeed, in faith, we can, as we even sing sometimes, we can claim the victory. Whom God fights is already defeated. Now, the hopeful blessing of the king, hopeful blessing for the people, note what it produces in the king. This is verse six. Note the change in pronoun. This is the king speaking now. Now I know that the Lord saves his anointed. He will answer him from his holy heaven with the saving might of his right hand. It is the blessing of others that leads to this confident assurance of the king. (laughs) Now I know God will deliver. I don't mean to be sacrilegious at all in this, but there's a part of this that makes me think of a a locker room talk. I know this sounds silly, but I I really, I want you to think about this. It's like, you know, the team's gathered in the locker room, it's halftime, and some kid jumps up and gives the speech of his life, and, and the, the locker room just starts to rock, and the kid's going, we're going to make, and all of a sudden, the coaches, everybody else going, oh my gosh, let's go! You know, they just get all lit up. There's a sense to this, that the people, they, 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 they call, and, and, and they name the name of God on the king, and the king comes to this place where he says, now I know! God is the God who delivers with his mighty Right arm. And here's another lesson, may I offer this to you. We, in our days of trouble, in our moments of trouble, we need the voice of others to hear the voice of God. And not exclusively, you know I'm saying this, you can hear God from the sword, but there's a, there's a part of this that we need each other. And we actually need others just speaking over us that we too might hear the voice of God and we might experience the confident assurance that comes. Listen, through the blessing of others over us. And then verse seven to nine, his personal assurance, his, his confident assurance becomes what I call the good confession. So now this is, he's speaking on behalf of the people, so people and king, this familiar phrase, verse seven. Some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. They collapse and fall, but we rise up and we rise and stand upright. Oh Lord, save the king. May he answer us when we call. Chariots and horses were the atomic bombs of warfare in that day. You think about, think about Israel, when they fought many battles, they would fight those battles in the hills and valleys. Why? Because it limited the effectiveness of horses 
and chariots. We, we, we can't get this in our mind, but it, it was terrifying to face a horse and a chariot and you're standing there with a spear. You don't stand a chance. Think about this. When, when God gave Israel a king, he commanded the king, do not gather many horses and chariots. Uh, that's the best thing going. You know that? No, that's how we win our battles. He said, do not gather chariots and horses. Think about it. God forbid Israel, his people, to get in an arms race with other nations. Quite frankly, this was a distinct disadvantage on the battlefield, but it was only a disadvantage to those without eyes of faith. So because when we understand the text and we think of, our, think of our God, what Israel had at their disposal, I am not speaking in hyperbole when I say this, was more powerful than any weapon humanity has ever conceived from chariots and horses to nuclear bombs all put together. They don't match what Israel had on her side. It's the last part of verse six, who seek, or, or I'm sorry, in the last, it's the last part. Yeah, verse six, the saving might of God's right hand. You can have all the weapons in the world. You can have the saving might of God's arm, his hand. No weapon can stand against our God. Perhaps the greatest illustration in the Bible of the battle between chariots and horses and the arm of God is the one David himself lived, y'all. Think about it. And, and surely it's in his mind and he knows this. When David went against the giant, who was the giant? And when he went against the giant, he was a shepherd boy. I'm gonna ask you a question, but I want you to pause before you, don't, don't think about this. What was David's weapon when he went against the giant? Chariots and horses, if you will. What was his weapon? Yes, it was a slingshot. Yes, think about this. Yes, he went with slingshot, five smooth stones, but let's let David tell us what his weapon was. First Samuel 17, David said to the Philistine, he said to Goliath, he said, you come against me with a sword, spear, and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Y'all, that's... See, David, yes, 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 he had stone, he had a sling. But may I say, his trust was even not in stone and sling. It was not in the stone and sling. It was in the name, those names, the name of the Lord God Almighty. Now, today we don't trust in chariots and horses. Or do we? Or do we? Rather than me make the list, I'm gonna ask you, and I do want a few of you just to say it. We'll hit this very quickly, but when the day of trouble hits for you and I, 
days of trouble, when, when, when we're distressed and anxious, when things have happened, what are some of the chariots and horses that me included, we turn to? Just yell them out. What, what do we turn to for security to, to rescue us? What we think our hope's gonna be? What do we turn to? Say it again. You could go to medicine, so you can go to science, which I'm all for it, by the way, but we, go, we can depend on that. We can lean on that. So what else? Money. money. How many of us? <laughs> oh, gosh, as long as I got the money in the bank, we'll be okay, honey. You know, it's, how many of us trust in, 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 in money? Or, or, or what else do we trust in? Ourselves. Ourselves. How many of us truly, when we're in a day of trouble, and, and, and you know, there, I don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater, but when our deepest trust becomes, we will figure this out. <laughs> yes, we will. Those who trust in chariots and horses collapse and fall. Those who trust and cast themselves upon the name of God rise and stand up. Here's a lesson may I offer you this. I think the psalm is telling us inadequacy is our superpower. That makes no sense to anyone else in the world who doesn't believe in the gospel, but inadequacy is our superpower. I'd say it another way. Utter dependence on God, utter, utter dependence on God is hope's secret sauce. The secret sauce is our dependence, our utter dependence on God. When we bring our strength, and hear this in the correct way, but when we bring our reliance upon ourselves and our strength, oh my gosh, that's all we have. How strong are you against this trouble? But when we bring nothing but our dependence on our God, he's greater than any trouble we will ever face. Let's set our Bibles aside. Set your Bible down for a moment because we've got some work to do. And this work is in the application of the text. And I'm gonna walk us through an application. In Rob's book, Morning, Noon, and Night, he's got a wonderful exercise he walks you through in order to bring this psalm to life. I'm adapting it, but I'm adding some things, taking some things that I wanna walk us through now. And if you're a guest here or on the line, you know, you go, what are they getting ready to do? Well, we're doing what we always do. And that is we're gonna ask ourselves, how does this apply to us? How do we live the text? It's not enough to know the text. That doesn't transform our hearts. And we don't study the Bible to get smarter or get biblical. We read God's word in the power of God's spirit in order that God would shape Christ in us by the application of this living word. So I'm gonna invite you to some application right now. First thing I want you to do, would you take a moment and name the trouble in your life or name the troubles. Just fix them in your, you know, there's no one in the room that's not facing trouble, facing things that cause distress and anxiety. Name the trouble, I want you to get that in your mind's eye, get that in your heart for a moment. The trouble you're facing right now. Now with that in your mind's eye, here's what we're gonna do. We are gonna bring our God into our trouble. We're gonna bring Christ to our trouble. 
for he's in it with us. And to do so, we're going we're to go to the Lord's table. And so I'm going to invite you to take the table elements and go ahead and take the bread off and open the cup. If you have put your faith in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, this table is for you. If you're a guest of ours today, but you know Jesus, you've placed your trust there, come to the table with us. So we've got this trouble in our mind. We've got trouble that we know we're facing. Let me, if you, don't have, if you didn't get this, go outside and get it because that's gonna take me a moment to get us to receiving the, the cup. You can, you're welcome to do that. Let me say this as we hold the bread and the cup in our hands. From the moment God gave Israel a king, the nation's future was inseparable from the king's. So goes the king, so goes the nation. <laughs> They're inseparable. Uh, David uh, delivered great victories, a lot of victories, but he was not undefeated. David was a man after God's own heart. There were moments when David followed his own heart at great cost to himself and the nation. And so for for ultimate, complete, and final victory, it, it, that, that requires another king. And you know where this goes. David, David was pointing to the future king, to the ultimate king, to King Jesus, who would never fail and who would rely upon his God perfectly as the God-man. David was pointing to that one who would be born of his line, of the line of David, would be born in his hometown, Bethlehem. And so at this table, see, we hold the bread and the cup symbolic of the life, death, and resurrection of King Jesus on our behalf. We're reminded that Jesus trusted the name of his father perfectly. In Jesus's greatest day of trouble, a, a day that no human being will ever face the depth and gravity of this kind of trouble, Jesus said, not my will, but yours be done. And then he stepped to the cross. It looked like defeat. But oh, what a victory. Death defeated by death. And you see, we hold the bread and the cup and we pray, Jesus, thank you for your body symbolized in this bread. You became a human being while remaining fully God. And you submitted your will to the will of the Father you died on that cross for our sin. Sin could not hold you. You rose from that grave. And in you we rise. We thank you for your body broken, Jesus. We remember it in this moment. Receive the bread. And thank you, Jesus, for your blood shed life in the blood. You, you poured out your life to pay the penalty we deserve, separation from the Father. And so in you, our sins are forgiven and we're clothed in your righteousness. And we receive this cup. We, we do so 
by remembering what you've done and in the receiving, we're actually proclaiming Lord Jesus that we believe you keep your promise and you're gonna come again one day to remove all troubles and make all things as they were meant to be. Receive the cup. See, in Christ Jesus, and if you're in Christ, God remembers our sin no more. He can, he regards us with favor by the sacrifice of Christ. And so what I'm trying to get to and move us to is to say, Psalm 20, it's for you. And it's for me in Christ Jesus. The blessing we noted is rooted in the name of God. And so you've got trouble in your world. And I look at some of you and I know the trouble. Some of you I don't, but you've got trouble. And you know what? You need God. We need God in our trouble. And so I want you to look at the screens again. And would you just look at the screens? I'm gonna let these names sit upon you. And would you call on the name of God that you need? It may be all of them. It may be a few, it may be, but just call on it. This is who God is for you, over you, with you, in you, through you, name it. And then there's something else I'm gonna invite some of you to do. This won't be, apply to all, but it'll apply to some. I'm gonna invite you, if you want to, to stand up. Now here's what I want you to know if you stand. Sometimes, I think all the time, quite frankly, you know, we're not changed by just thinking thoughts. We're changed in the application of the word. And, and sometimes it, it, it requires the movement of our body and make statements with our body. And so that's all I'm inviting you to do here. Again, this is if the spirit leads. And if there's spirit stirring in you and you, you, you wanna say this, you can stand and I want you to stand. And when you stand, here's what I, I want you to understand you're saying. You're, you're, if you stand, everyone's gonna see you stand and you're saying, I got trouble. And I need God. I don't have what it takes to get through this trouble. There's no one in the room that have trouble. That doesn't mean everyone needs to stand. You stand. If you want to stand, because when you stand, I'm going to do something over you in a moment. So I'm going to give you a moment. If you, if you want to stand, and when you stand, you're just saying to your church family and before God, I got trouble, and I need God, and he's all I got. Stand if you like.
Now, just like in Psalm 20, okay? Listen, here's what's gonna happen. We, as those who lead in this liturgy, are going to speak the blessing on you. You just need to let it sit upon you, to well in you. Those standing, just close your eyes. All of us can close our eyes as we speak this over. And you could be seated and this is upon you. Receive. Receive what's true. May the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. May the name of the God of Jacob protect you. May he send you help from the sanctuary and give you support from Zion. May he remember all your offerings and regard with favor your burnt sacrifices. Selah. May he grant you your heart's desire and fulfill all your plans. May we shout for joy over your salvation. And in the name of our God, set up our banners. May the Lord fulfill all your petitions. And now everyone open their eyes and look at the screen because we speak this together because it's true. Read along with me. Now I know that the Lord saves his anointed. He will answer him from his holy heaven with the saving might of his right hand. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. They collapse and fall, but we rise and stand up. O Lord, save the king. May he answer us when we call. And now let's all stand. If you're seated, let's all stand. And let's all lift our voices, even as they spoke and blessed and sang this song. Y'all, may we sing our own Psalm 20 that affirms whose battle it is, just who's fighting on our behalf.